Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Today, today we set a world record. <laughs> the longest one-segment interview with anyone ever. Now we've had people in studios who've had them in the studio for an hour, right? Bringing ADs and that kind of stuff. But Joe Ingalls outdid himself. Joe was in the mood to talk. It was right at the end of the show yesterday. We're going to replay that for you later in this hour. Outstanding. Best Joe Ingalls on basketball, on teammates, on us, on the start of the Joe Ingalls show. Yes, a historical retrospective. So we'll get to that coming up. Stay with us, DJ and PK. Oh, also, uh, Bowler. Bowler talking hoops. We have real, legitimate basketball news to discuss with these guys. How cool is that? I mean, it's kind of a downer because it's Bogdanovich having surgery, and when you lose a 20-point-a-game score, a guy who's going to take six or seven three-pointers a night, uh, that's going to change your offense. And that's going to way that change the offense feels for everybody else on the floor, whether you're Donovan Mitchell trying to drive and score, you're uh, Rudy Gobert getting alley-oops or offensive rebounds. Um, man, the paint gets wide open when they got to stick with Bogdanovich. And for the other shooters on the floor, you know, you're more likely, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're the minivan or your Ingles, uh, you're more likely to get an open three with Bogdanovich out there. So this is going to change stuff. We'll talk about that next with Bowler and then Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bullerjack. Join us here. Buller, good morning. Hello, gentlemen. Actual I'm real old. basketball news. It's unbelievable, Buller. Yeah. No, I know. It's actually like, is it beginning? Is it really true? Could it happen? Yes. Could it happen? Yes, I think it could. I think it will. So I think it will. The question is, when they start playing... Obviously, Bogdanovich will not be playing because Bogey's having the wrist surgery, and he's 20 right. points a game. He's taken seven three-pointers per game. He was a big part of the offense. Which player or possibly two or three players are going to shoulder most of that load? Oh, man. Well, I would think uh, off the bat, uh, off the top of my head, you got to have uh, – Probably more minutes uh, by George Niang, uh, more play time potentially opens for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, those are the two, and uh, obviously Joe Ingles, I would think. Those are three guys that come to mind. They've got scoring ability and uh, the three-point shot that obviously is in vogue in this league. So those are the three guys that I would uh, put to the forefront. But yeah, it's going to be I a big so. loss. It's a big loss, too, though. I mean, look, Bogdanovich not only, I think, you know, has, has proven himself as a versatile player in this league, but also, you know, there's uh, just just who he is, a team guy, locker room guy, on-the-floor guy. Uh, it'll be a big hit. But, again, if you're going to move past round one, you got to be deep enough, PK, I think, as we've noticed, you know, that's what the Jazz got Clarkson for was for depth, and he's going to come into play. And, and if they do actually get into the, into the, uh, the playoff rounds. I think that 
if you had to have this type of situation happen during a season, this is the perfect season for it. Because at this point now, it's so screwed up. And to me, I don't want to say they'll just be playing for the, for the fun of it. But obviously, it'll be a weird situation. So it's best to get it done now so he can come back for the full season next season. If that season starts in December, whenever it starts. So for here, actually, I think it's a perfect opportunity for other guys. Because I don't think there's going to be that big playoff pressure this season so you know we're always on on edge what's going to happen so you know if they open up on the road can they get a split or if they open up at home can they win their two games all that stuff's out the window so now the way i look at it for these guys they're all nba players obviously but there's not going to be that pressure that it usually is so just go out and play and in that regard who knows what's going to happen yeah i agree i think too if whatever the adam silver and the group whatever the plan is that they allegedly are going to release on June 1 PK uh, is look how many you know how, how many days you get to practice and then do you actually have any games at all do you play any of the final 18 games uh, to reset maybe the the playoff pairings who knows uh, but you, I think it's a good point I'm not sure how the players mentally will be into this I know that it, this is a financial uh, you know the potential of financial financial gain, as they are, you know, revenue shares that does come into play, television ownership and all that. But I, I just don't know if the same intensity. There may be a surprise winner here. I think is the point you're making is because, yeah, you know, how, how do you really refocus after three months of this, right? And how do you rebuild your body? for this and how do you handle knowing away knowing that you could be away from the family or maybe they do appease the players and allow them to go to you know and stay in in orlando at disney at disney world i don't know how it's all going to work but they all have concerns but i'm not sure the mental side of it of how many of them will be focused on particularly playing which i think really makes this intriguing on what team actually will be the better uh, focus team, and that 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 may be the biggest key to it all. It feels like if it's Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, well, certainly if it's Lakers or Clippers, it'll be a real championship because those guys are led by star players. So a lot of the way, you know, Duncan, it was an asterisk with the first one, but by the time he's done with five, they all blend together, and you know somebody had to win in the shortened season, and if it had been a full season, somebody would have won, and why not Duncan? He won four other times. And so I think now with the Bucks, it would be Kempo's first, but I think a lot of people are anticipating he's going to get one. Certainly with the Lakers and Clippers, their star players already have multiple ones. But beyond that, it would be an asterisk. Do you really think that some team could come out and take down two or three of those elite teams? Or they, all, they could all be ill-prepared and shocked in the first or second round? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think PK's right. I, I, this is an unpredictable situation i mean this is something that no one could have predicted and i think it changes the whole atmosphere i'm not sure again guys just really the the mental and physical um preparation that goes into this into a season of 82 and beyond with preseason games and postseason play uh, you know it just will intrigue me to see if they can regain the focus the hunger 
and which teams say, you know, we're the seventh seed. Look, let's prepare, stay healthy, and get ready for December. If that's in, indeed when they're going to try to restart 2021. 20, uh, so uh, there could be some. So I, I would not be surprised that there are big surprises if they do have postseason play. I really, I just, I just think mentally, this is you know, it's, it's a crapshoot. If Jordan was playing, it would be a hell of a test for him, too, in my mind. I really do. But who steps up? And you know what? The rumor is onto Takumbo. Is he going to move past the Milwaukee Bucks? That will be intriguing, too, to see where everybody's mindset is. And LeBron knows age is starting to creep up on him as well. Um, so, yeah, the storylines will be there, but I think you'll see an upset or two along the way. And maybe that's good for basketball, too. But I think this season will always have an asterisk by it, too, uh, no matter what. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Walt Perrin, how well did you get to know him and his time here? What kind of a loss is that for the club with him taking the job with the Knicks? I got a lot of respect for Walt. I don't know him on a daily you know, basis, but friendly and have spoken you know multiple times over the years and just an incredible individual Uh, you know he's got an eye Uh, he's traveled the world to try to turn a stone and and find that one player that can you know impact a franchise uh, like the you know for the Utah Jazz and just a pleasant man to be around I know he's well respected and obviously well respected around the league so you know, what he's been able to accomplish here and the players that he's found. Uh, you know, the preparation for the Jazz is about Walt and Dennis and, and others. But, you know, he saw players that intrigued him, and that's why Utah led the pack, really, in bringing players in for the offseason workouts prior to the draft, pre-draft workouts, where this place was as busy as any place in the NBA. Uh, they wanted to develop players, as you guys know, uh, they wanted to have players in their hip pocket in case they went overseas and they had a potential diamond in the rough that they could still, you know, keep an eye on to see what, how he was, that individual was, in, was uh, developing. So, yeah, it's a big loss. You know what? It's a huge task for him in New York as we know what the, the Knicks franchise has been now for a couple of decades. And I'm not sure it's going to change under the ownership. But at least he gets an opportunity uh, to go to the Big Apple and maybe try to – well, he will. That's the goal is to rebuild the New York Knicks uh, with young, talented players. Uh, the process could take time, obviously, but also mixing in some free agents. But that whole scheme up there and the whole – you know, their payroll and everything that's happened in New York has frustrated many, many Knicks fans. And he's got himself quite a job. But for the Jazz – it's a loss. There's no doubt. It is a loss for Utah to lose Walt Perrin. So do you think they go inside or outside to replace him? You know, I, that's a great question, PK. I don't know if they just absorb it under the current financial situation. If they try to go stay inside the organization and spread those duties around. Dave Fredman has been with the Jazz since the, the New Orleans days. Uh, Richard Smith uh, Smitty, as we know him, is a guy that pops into my head about you know you know increasing his duties and what uh, and, and Fredman as well and a few other young young individuals that are you know kind of just sitting in the wings waiting for their opportunity. So 
Uh, they may go outside for some help, but they could. I could see definitely under under the circumstances, uh, they could stay at in house as well. They've got quite a uh, an interesting scouting system around the world, and again, there's 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 many individuals who come and go throughout the season that you don't know well, but they are stationed overseas, and you know one of those one of those individuals may be someone they promote or they just try to. Uh, continue as as they are now, but absorb it into the into the uh, into the franchise. So, Bowler, you hear any? Uh, as we get closer to this, you you talk to any other broadcasters? You hear any other dirt? Or are you just hearing what we're hearing? <laughs> I want the gossip, no, I, Bowler. Give me the dirt. I, I hear I hear some dirt. I've talked to a half a dozen guys around the league, and uh, they feel kind of the same way. I think. Everyone in the NBA, they want to work. Uh, they hope that this plan is one that involves them, us, as local regional broadcasters. I think that's the biggest concern is that, you know, as much as all of us miss the game, our job is to go, you know, call games. And what if we're not involved? And that's a real possibility. I mean, I may not be in an arena, sadly, and I'm not happy about it. But, you know, look, I can't control it, but may not be able to be in an arena until, you know, December or 2021. I don't know how this is going to work. Everyone that I've talked to has these incredible ideas and plans. It's really interesting to just hear what they think, what their franchises may be hinted, uh, you know, about going into the arena, how they're going to be handled, what type of uh, screening process. Uh, seating. When would fans truly return? And you know, in a sellout situation, a few at a time, baby steps, toe in the water, all those things you hear. And I think all the, the common thread to this conversation is you think we'll get to broadcast. And um, you know, we always have the right in a in a normal situation to broadcast round one of the playoffs. But we all agree that the most the, the likelihood is if there's any broadcast, 99% of it's going to be done through national television. Uh, and if we would broadcast potentially maybe in a studio, but uh, that's, I'm not prepared, preparing myself to, uh, I'm not getting my hopes up too high for that as much as I'd love to be a part of the, of the postseason. So do you think that basically we are a high percentage, I don't know, whatever that percentage you want to put on, as far as next season, not starting on the regular time that's actually pushed back? You know, that seems to be, and again, I have no true clue, PK. You hear a lot of the same things, but, you know, the, the, the rumors, the target seems to be making a splash uh, to re-enter the sporting world uh, in the holiday season, which would be December. And if that happens, uh, then it really pushes the season even further, most likely into June and July of next year as well. I think, I think everyone's going to have to sit back, and there's going to be some changes, uh, in my opinion, and I think we're all just going to have to try to understand and live with them if they're permanent you know, if this and you guys have talked about this, does the league truly want to try to ease their way away from 
an October start, meaning that the NFL's in full swing as is college football, and do they want to try to reestablish their own starting point so that they're the centerpiece of of the eyeballs of the sporting world? And it, it's it's a hell of a thought. Uh, again, sponsorship, television contracts, scheduling, all those things come into play because right now it's kind of a perfect machine on how everything trends. You know, PK, how it goes. It just it's a smooth transition most of the time, but I think everybody wants to be the story, the story during a certain time of the year. So maybe this is an opportunity that you know Adam Silver retools how the league approaches their scheduling. I don't know, you know, because before all this, right, there was talk about the end season tournaments, and that was intriguing. But I'm not sure if that would take hold with the players' association. But again. I think Adam Silver, much like David Stern, was always trying to continue to keep the game fresh and exciting for the fans to see if they couldn't, you know, continue to gain ratings but also maintain interest. And I'm anxious to see how this all plays out. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you with some real basketball news out there. Yeah, it is good. I, I know it's baby steps. It's like I know the cliche of putting your toe in the water, but – at least you got your shoe off, right, and and the toes in, and hopefully we'll get more and somebody jumps in. But, you know, it's got to be done right, and I think the players' safety, obviously, is, and the fans' safety is uh, paramount, and we'll see which direction we go. I know Joe's up. Tell him, hey, have a cup of Joe. No pun intended. <laughs> Too late. Thanks, uh, Bowler. No, thanks. <laughs> see you guys. Craig Bolderjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, Joe Ingles on a roll. Joe gets rolling. Next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, as much as I've enjoyed talking to you about uh, your COVID workout, your Australian uh, real estate empire, and potential names for your soon-to-be-born child that would get you another contract, the name has to be Dennis. The name Walt just lost its value, but the name Dennis is very valuable. There is no (laughs) chance, and I mean no chance that is even in the pipeline. I know, that was, that was all me. 
Uh, as much as I've enjoyed all of that, and I have, uh, what we have today is real actual basketball news. It feels like real actual basketball is being played, which, of course, isn't true. But if there were basketball to be played in a couple months, if the league you know, does get going and everybody goes to Orlando or Vegas, however it works out, uh, you know, Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich having surgery, it's a huge development, a guy who's Taking a lot yeah. of three-pointers, a lot of pressure shots. He scores 20 points a game. He opens up the floor for other players, whether it's Donovan driving or someone like yourself shooting threes on the other side of the floor because they want to leave him. Uh, it's a big impact, and you must have thought a little bit about how things change for the club without him. So how do things change for the club without him? Who's got to pick up the load? Well, I hope I can get a couple of those shots. <laughs> um, no, it's obviously it's a, it's a big loss for us, and um, like he kind of said, like some of the numbers and, and what he does for us, not just scoring, um, but opening up the floor. And um, I, I think he's he's been really good defensively um, this year too. He's he's bought into that. And, um, I don't like it's not his strongest point, but if you're trying and you're doing your best, it's it's what you can. So I think he's had a really good year with us, kind of up to date. And um, for him have to do what he had to do like uh, I don't know exactly when it happened but it, he's been playing with it for, for a long time and I mean you guys probably noticed some people probably noticed that um, he, he was playing through some pain um, I, I mean I remember watching while we were playing and seeing him constantly grab it and um, to still suit the way he was shooting and play the way he was playing is probably even more impressive than that because he um, was doing it obviously with a pretty pretty messed up wrist um, so I think of uh, I mean you guys have been here long, obviously uh, a lot longer than I've been here but since I've been here it's um, we've had an unfortunate run with injuries at, at different times and it's always been the kind of next man up mentality and um, I don't think it's anyone would say it's on me to now score 20 points a game or it's on Donovan to average 35 points a game or anything like that it's uh, it's always been a collective um, effort, I guess, and we we all, um, like you said, like we all know what he what he meant to us. So we've all got to pick it up, and um, if we do get to go back and play, then we uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we've we've been hit with injuries the six years I've been here, so for us it's a, a little bump in the road. And hopefully he gets healthy and, and obviously comes back next year ready to go. As you look at the times that you've been here in the seasons, you look at this team, you know, you got Conley and Clarkson are new, but you got O'Neal emerging. I can argue, you know, certainly got Niang emerging, and then you're there already. Couldn't you say that this team is as best equipped since you've been here to handle the loss of a player of this caliber? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in the past, I mean, obviously our first couple of years was, well, it was Quinn figuring out a way to play and the style and, and who he wanted to play and who was obviously going to be here. And, and it ended up being me, me and Rudy since the first year, which is probably surprised to a lot of people. Um, the, my part, not, not Rudy's part. But, um, yeah, I think we've got the deepest team we've had. Um, it, it's funny when you, like you mentioned that and you, the, the names that you mentioned, but also like Emmanuel. Every time Emmanuel's had an opportunity or, or something's happened with Mike being out or other players being injured, he, he's played really well. So, um, yeah, those, like you said, the guys that you mentioned, I think you throw a manual in there and um, we've obviously got a, a very deep team. So 
that's what I was kind of referring to. You, it's definitely not on one person. Um, maybe bits and pieces of our minutes go up a little bit or whatever, but overall I think it'll be a team effort of those guards to, um, to, to kind of bring in what Boyan did. So a bigger challenge, uh, adapting to the loss of a 20-point-a-game guy who plays a huge role or to flipping the switch after basically having a two-going-on-three-month offseason and getting all juiced up and back into the flow again? Which is the bigger challenge? Because it seems like they're both significant. Yeah, I was going to say, probably, probably both. Um, honestly, I think the, the not playing for so long is, is probably harder. Um, purely because we, we've never been in this situation. We've, we've been in a situation where we've had Donovan out for games, we've had Rudy out, we've had in the past, we've had AB and, and guys obviously out for extended time and, and had to figure out ways. We've obviously Mike this year as well for, for that period of, of whatever um, amount of games it was. So I, I feel like as a basketball player and, and teams that everyone's been on, there, there's no one's not been on a team where someone hasn't been injured and you've had to play more or play less or play a bit of a different role or, or whatever it is. Uh, um, we've never been in a situation where we were warming up, got shut down, sat in the locker room for 12 hours, couldn't get a hotel, weren't allowed to do anything for two weeks, then still not, a, not be able to go into arenas until kind of very recently. So... Um, then obviously yesterday or the day before it comes out on social media or whatever that, that potentially some dates of, of starting up again so um, uh, I think that's definitely going to be something that is going to be, be harder <laughs> obviously the, the best approach to that and I'm, I'm glad I don't get paid to do that so I'll uh, let the the uh, people that have done extensive knowledge and research in that and they can tell us what to do and what's the, the best protocol to, to get back to game shape. So you talk about getting information from social media. Are the players' union or any of that stuff giving you information, basically how you get your information? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a number of different ways. Um, obviously, social media is uh, a big part of news these days. Um We've obviously got player reps that are, are, are a part of the, the, the board meetings or discussions or whatever that the, the players have. And then um, the, the president and Chris Paul and those guys are in probably a lot bigger discussions with uh, with the, the big dogs of the league and that kind of gets filtered down as well. So um, we obviously get some information. If we don't really get... Well, I definitely... I don't get the, the groundbreaking news, but um, yeah, we get, we get information and... Obviously, I mean, honestly, it's not not too much different to what eventually it obviously gets put out. So we we kind of know the same thing as everyone else right now. And um, uh, I think the, the best thing the NBA is doing is, is trying to get as much knowledge as possible before making a decision, which I think is, is the right decision. Obviously, when we first this first happened and we got back from OKC those first couple of weeks, it was a, a pretty scary time. And um, obviously, it's still... It's still a dangerous and, and kind of scary time, but um, I think we know a lot more than we did back then. And then, um, obviously, we, we want the, well, the NBA wants to know as much as possible with with some other leagues. I think the German Soccer League was starting up, and a couple other leagues around the world are starting up, so they can get some more information from that and see how that goes, and then obviously make a decision whenever they think um, they've got to make a decision by. 
So you are part of the media, Joe. You got a podcast, and I heard you scored some big name guests. You really, you really <laughs> I've got a, yeah. I heard my uh, podcast with Quinn lasted about forty-five minutes longer than what yours did in your first interview with Quinn. You went forty-five minutes and forty-five seconds with <laughs> Quinn. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, we had a good long conversation with him, and I heard yours lasted about five minutes before he told you he had to go and get back to his real job. <laughs> You gonna let me go do my job? Yak, where is that? Give me a minute. Who told you that? <laughs> I've got good did. sources. I'm in, the, I'm in the media. It's all about sources. <laughs> it's all about sources. Don't <laughs> reveal your sources. Even if I'm looking at him and he's blushing and turning red right now, don't reveal yeah. him. If it's unsalvage- unsalvageable, it came from a source. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice. Oh, well played, Joe. Uh, what were some of the highlights there with Coach Snyder? Oh, man, I think, honestly, just um, – and my relationship is probably a little different to a lot of, like, player-coach or, or even guys in our team because I've known him for so long and um, even previous to, to the Jazz kind of knowing him in, in Europe and stuff. So um, it, it was it was cool just to be able to um, – we, we didn't really want to talk about that much basketball, but obviously kind of always, he's the head coach and, and all his life he's been involved in basketball and so have I. So it's a, a natural, easy conversation. So it was, um, yeah, just to chat to him. I think he, um, I mean, we weren't obviously like, like anyone, post-game, pre-game, you're, you're, you're wondering what kind of Quinn you're going to get. Hopefully we were hoping that he was in a good mood and he, he was in a great mood. So we had a, a really good chat, went for a, longer than we thought and um, hopefully he listens to it but he probably won't so hopefully everyone else does How much of the stuff that you could talk about with Quinn on your podcast what percentage of that is what you could talk about with him if you were just in the gym I mean how deep can you really go Um, Probably a lot more off air or off podcast um, I mean uh, as you guys know he's he's a pretty um, kind of personal keeps his personal life pretty much separated from, from his job and what he does and um, I, I, I mean I can't I couldn't I haven't listened or read every interview he's done but I would imagine a lot of them are very family orientated and, and he sticks to, to what his job is and obviously what he's really good at and um, yeah, I mean, me and him have had tons of conversations about real life stuff and families and our kids and um, stuff like that, which is which is obviously, like I said, we've we've got a great relationship and respect there. The trust is, is obviously there, and um, so I feel like he's a, he's a guy that I could obviously I could sit and, and tell anything I needed to if it was something that I, I wanted to talk to him about. I saw a couple of newspaper stories on the internet from Australia where they were talking about how in this last dance deal that Luke Longley was not interviewed and they thought that was an omission. And I know that you played for Luke Longley because I believe he coached you in the national team. So he's yep. got to have some Jordan stories. So why don't you tell us some right now? Um, yeah, he did. Uh, he, he did tell some stories every now and then. He He, he wasn't kind of walking around um, boasting about playing with Jordan or, or trying to tell the stories but obviously if you were sitting with him you could ask him a question and he, he would always answer and he, he told 
probably a few stories along the time. I don't know how how long exactly he was with us, but he's with us for a few years. Uh, um, there was always stories that would come up, or a situation would come up, and he would he would have a story about it. And um, you know, I obviously can't really remember him off the top of my head. Oh, come but, on, Joe. No, really. I <laughs> asked for a name. I'll tell him a name when I do something, and five minutes later, I've already forgot what I was meant to do. So. <laughs> Um, he gets me in trouble quite a lot. So, um, but no, he he was. I mean, you, he was never like he would never look at you a certain way if you asked a, a question about it or about Jordan or about that that three years he was um, part of those championships. But um, yeah, interesting that he didn't want to do any interviews or whatever about it. But it's not really uh, my business, is it? No, not really, but what the heck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, when I read that he didn't want to do it, I thought, oh, boy, what kind of good stories are, is he sitting on? But after I saw the stories they, that some of the ex-teammates were willing to share on camera, you know, Steve Kerr talked about the fight, right? And, and yeah. Burrell talked about all the abuse he took. Plus, they showed it was actually a – it looked like a shoot-around uh, there wasn't the training facility in those days. Uh, another time we can tell you about what the Jazz trained in in those days. It would blow your mind. But the teams, the visiting teams would come in, and they would just be in the arena. And with the green seats behind them, you knew full well they were in Utah, and Jordan yeah. was just lighting Burrell up. So I thought they kind of got the point across, although Luke probably has specific stories that I would have enjoyed hearing. You know, the greater point about how hard Jordan was on his teammates and how much he wasn't part of the team, he was more like a coach and not always like a teammate. I mean, you saw him cracking on guys in the locker room. I felt like they largely got that apart, uh, got that point across. Yeah, uh, I think um, it was interesting watching it. And, and I think that the biggest thing I took from the whole thing was how, and this obviously had. I mean, I was three when the '90s started, so I wasn't watching. Uh, I wasn't watching the Bulls play or anything. But um, I think to watch it back, and, and for my generation, and, and later than me that didn't see anything, um, just to see how competitive he was and, and how determined he was to win at, at any cost, and that was like you said with with teammates, coaches. He would get he would get mad at Phil Jackson for things. Calling fouls at practice because he, he thought they needed to play through it with the way Detroit played them and, and New York or whatever the teams were and stuff. And um, I mean, it's, he, he like I said, it was it was win at any cost, and, and he was willing to whatever it was, do whatever he had to say to his teammates, however he, however he had to uh, inspire them, and uh, maybe it wasn't inspiring at times, but. Um, the guys that were on those rosters won championships from it, and I guarantee they're not complaining about being a three-time or five or six, however many they won and were, were there for. Um, might have been hard at the time. You might have felt a bit... I mean, we do it at practice every day. We we get on everyone's back if you're, if you're late or you do something funny at practice or, or, you're not, or you're not switched on and ready to go. People get on your back, and obviously you can easily take it kind of two ways. You can You can be upset about it and, and get in your feelings about it or you just kind of not laugh it off but, but no you're not doing the right thing or you, you're late or whatever it was and, and move on and um, and don't do it again and uh, I think it just naturally happens within a competitive group of guys because you are all striving to, to be the last team standing um, and he was probably the epitome of that he was 
he was willing to do literally whatever it took to win, and, and he did that obviously for his whole career. So, how do teammates know when it's right and appropriate to get on a fellow teammate about whatever, and how do they know what tack to use? Yeah, um, that, that's a. It's an interesting. It's a good question. I'm, I'm sure you studied that all night to, to figure that out. I did. But. I did. I don't want to be on my game, Joe. I, I got up early because I knew you were coming on today. <laughs> um, no, it's it's interesting, and, and I've been in different spots on teams where you're kind of expected to speak your mind and, and be a, a leader or, or talk at certain times, and I've been on teams that you don't or that I'm not expected to. It's a fine line of finding... Yeah, obviously everyone's different and like different guy. Like there might be a certain player you can absolutely yell at and scream at, and, and he knows. And the heat of the moment that you not you don't hate the kid, you don't hate the player. You're just trying to. Oh, I've done it. I do it to. I probably do it to Rudy the most in, in games. Um, like yelling or screaming because he, he didn't do something, or maybe I threw him a fifty-fifty pass and he dropped, and it makes me like it makes me mad, but. Rudy doesn't come to me and want like want to fight me. Like he understands the situation. We'll get to the next dead ball and we'll we'll talk about it in a with a, like a regular conversation or a timeout will come and he'll give his version of of what he thought happened and I'll give. Obviously, we we don't have that much time in timeouts, but it's a quick, abbreviated version of oh, I thought you were doing this or I thought you were going to screen here or pass here and um, and you move on. Um, me and Rudy. Like I've, obviously I've played with him the longest too so I've been with him the most um, we, we obviously are involved in a lot of actions together and, and it happens and we, we don't walk off the court and not talk to each other and hate each other and have an unsalvageable relationship it's just a part of a part of the game and I think he respects me for telling my telling my opinion and, and, how, and vice versa I respect for what he's going to say to me so um, yeah, it's a real fine line of knowing the personality on your team, the guys, how they res- how, how they best respond to criticism. Is it in front of the team yelling and, and calling them out? Is it pull them up aside on the side of a drill when you you subbed out and then say something then or in the time on the side of a timeout? And um, I think as you get to know your teammates and as like my personality is to talk regardless. Like I'm always going to say what's on my mind or what what I think should be happening or shouldn't. Um, have I said things at the wrong time or to the wrong people in the, in the wrong way? Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the, the best leader in the world, but um, no, I'm going to get my point across. And if you disagree, we'll, we'll talk about it. I have, I have no issue um, talking about it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very fine line, but I think the longer you play with people, like, oh, I can, I know what Quinn's going to say or do. I feel like I can, can plan it before sometimes because I've been with him so long, and that's just a a part of building the relationships you have with within a team. Well, I'd love to uh, discuss with you uh, how Darren Williams threw the ball off Gordon Hayward's head, or <laughs> I'd love to discuss with you I heard that story. Never thought. Yeah, I haven't heard, heard Gordon's side. <laughs> or I'd love to talk to you about the time Carl Malone called Greg Ostertag a fat ass. <laughs> or what about when uh, when uh, whoever it was. Was it Delonte West stuck his a wet willy Gordon that's, in the ear? That's another, the game yeah. with him? But that wasn't teammates. But that was a yeah, that was a heck of a moment. Um, <laughs> or the time that a, a player said, and I think I remember which player, but I could be wrong, so I don't want to blur. But a player said, "I know players 
forget plays, but it's stunning that you would forget the play and run it wrong coming straight out of a timeout. And it's even more stunning when the play is for you to get the shot. That was Andre, oh, yeah, you know, Andre Kirilenko you know, forgot that. You're not uh, – you might, like, everyone – I've played with millions of teams players. Everyone forgets plays every now and then. Or you have, like, a a moment where you freeze and be like, oh, damn, like, what was I supposed to do there? But coming out of the timeout when the play is for you, you should never, <laughs> ever forget that. Like, <laughs> that was... I'm not forgetting that. Like, you can tell me we're running, like, whatever, fist up 22, and I'm going to, like – as soon as I hear that, I don't even need to look at the board. Like, I know it's a man. I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, so All right. Uh, Joe, I wanted you to – this is the last thing. We'll let you go then. I want you to step into the time right, machine. i got all day with you. We're going to go back five and a half years, October Jeez. of 2014. Jake has gone to the top, top shelf and blown the dust off this baby. Here we go. You guys, I gotta go to work. You guys, can I get my job done now? <laughs> okay. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming back on next week, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you on next week. All right, if you got to run, hit <laughs> the road, right, coach. Yep. We appreciate it. Yep. All right, thanks. Okay, thank you. That was 300 weeks ago. He hasn't been back on. <laughs> and how long? Was he? <laughs> how long was he on before that? About five minutes. And what what did you do to make him leave? Nothing. It came out of the blue. We looked at each other. Stunned. They're like, what? What? All right. Did they, they obviously told you, like, hey, you got Quinn on Thursday morning. You're going to have him for like 15, 20 minutes. Yep. The, in, the interviews we get will usually run 10 to 20 minutes. We've had people tell us, hey, he's only got 10, right? Where When you get authors on or people who are kind of doing the old ESPN car wash thing, they'll tell you they've got another interview coming up at, and you have to be done by that time. And sometimes yeah. they come to you a little late because the previous one ran over, so you might only have 10 minutes. Um, we really don't do interviews that go off to over 20 minutes very often. That's pretty rare. Except with me when I keep talking. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you're, you're one of a kind, Joe. <laughs> We've talked often. When you retire and go to Australia, we're not getting another Joe Ingles show. This, this is a one-of-a-kind deal, and we love it. You know, <laughs> the, I mean, you guys you probably knew how this like, whole thing started, right? No, I don't, to be honest with you. I was just smart enough to say, yes, we'd love to have Joe on. I really don't so, know the backstory. Even why, today, it surprises I, I, me that Dennis lets you do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day, let's just answer questions about Dennis. I've got plenty of questions for you. <laughs> That'll um, end it. <laughs> no, because I'm pretty sure I started my second year doing, doing this. Yeah, I think so. Um, but my first year, like a bit of the year, there was talk about like people doing radio and blah, 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 blah. And then the second year, they were like, hey, do you want to do this radio show? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, who are the people? Like, who am I on with? And that was questionable, so that took me a bit longer to um, think about. I had to listen to a couple of shows, and I was like, these two old men, they're not very they're not very funny. They're definitely not good-looking, which is why they're on the radio. Anyway, I find out later, I say, so I end up saying yes. Like, let's do one. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do blah, blah, blah every week. And, I later find out that the only reason I got asked to do it in the first place was because Gordon said no. Whoever from the radio really <laughs> wanted Gordon, really wanted Gordon to do it. And I mean, you know, you guys know Gordon. Not on our show, no. You guys know. That's so whoever's in charge of this is really wanted Gordon to do it. But like, as you guys know, Gordon, like he's not 
he's not going to get up every whatever day and like that's just not him. That's not a bad thing or whatever. He just does just not him. So they were like, oh well, I guess who else can we get that might hang around for at least a couple of years? And I just signed a, I think I signed a two-year deal at that point. Um, but yeah, Gordon could have. This could have been Gordon. Maybe we wouldn't have traded his. No. Bum. The way. The way I remember it is I sat with you. They used to have the bleachers over at the practice. Yeah. They don't even have the bleachers there anymore. And I went over there, and they had me do like five, ten minutes with guys, and we didn't even talk hoop just to get to know them a little bit. And I sat with you. Then they had some deal at the arena on the floor where they did some, I don't know, what was it, something, sneakers or something. And it was a dinner. And I ended up sitting next to you, and your wife or fiance hadn't moved over, so you and I and my wife was there, and we had yeah. a conversation, and I thought, this guy would be a good dude. And so I went back, and I said, here's the deal, guys. In order for me to continue at this station, oh, I'm going to need to have Joe <laughs> on our show. Well, well, we'll That's the way it came about. I, I got told... <laughs> I got told later, like after I agreed to do it and all that, and they were like, "Oh, that's great, you're doing it. You're only doing it because Gordon said no." And I was like, "Oh, damn!" Like, no. And now, no, look. I wanted you. Now look, I exactly. I yeah, it was. And you actually Thursday mornings in the history of Utah radio. Oh yeah, no question. You superseded what I envisioned, to be honest, and your your I'm commitment to doing it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're here. You you blew up. I didn't think you'd be this good of a player, honestly, but you did. And I remember texting you when it became obvious you were going to get, you were going to be even richer than you are. And I said, congratulations. It looks like you found a place in this league. It's awesome. And you texted me back. And and but I didn't think that it would last this long, and I didn't think it would be this good. But that's mainly a credit to you, not to us. No, it's been it has been a lot of fun. I did I, I didn't think at the start it would last this long either, but. It was, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's been a ton of fun, and um, it sounds like it's our last one, doesn't it? It's like we're about to break the band up. <laughs> <laughs> but I do Hope like not. enjoy, and that's, why we, that's 100% why we did the podcast, too, of, of giving the local jazz fan, I don't know how many players have done this in the past before me, or, or how consistently or in-depth they've gone, but try to give as real a 20 minutes a week I can, and win or lose it's not gonna like we've talked about how basketball is basketball and life is life and um, this is a, a good thing for people to understand and to, to realise so I hope I've helped the jazz fans or the random Bob driving to work one day that accidentally put on some small baby um, so it's been fun so we'll, we'll have to keep going as long as well. I've got a couple more years to go so they've got two more years of listening to us good Good. We look forward to it. We appreciate it. Uh, no worries at all. Joe, thanks for coming on today and for uh, busting through the 20-minute mark. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just put my phone down to see how long, and that's why I kept talking to make sure we were past it. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, i got to go work out because we're going to be playing basketball soon. All right. All right. Go work out. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There's Joe Ingles and his weekly visit on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what is trending? Stay with us.